0: And as Mary wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It is truly one of the glories of the church that the first witnesses to our Lord's resurrection were women. And not only witnesses, but heralds, messengers, Indeed, evangelists. In fact, scholars point to this detail, that it was women who first experienced the risen Christ as one of the most compelling proofs that the accounts are, in fact, true. If our Lord's resurrection were some fiction, some tall tale, as many then and even now are wont to believe, we can be absolutely certain that it would not have been the women who were first to behold and bear witness to this stunning turn of events. If the story was made up, scholars argue, there is no question that it would be the men. (laughs) The brave, fearless, and heroic men who would have discovered the truth of the salvation of the world through Jesus. In the ancient world, if the account is to be taken seriously, then there would have been no reason for women to be the first to bear witness to the glorious resurrection of our Lord, unless this is how it actually happened, unless it were, in fact, true. And there is much, in fact, for us to learn, both women and men, from uh, this particular woman in St. John's Gospel, Mary Mary Magdalene. We can learn much from Mary regarding our relationship with the risen Christ. There are three things I'd like to suggest that we can see in her on this day and learn from for our own benefit for our relationship with Jesus. The first is that Mary goes to Jesus. Even in her grief and in her sorrow and no doubt bewilderment, she goes to him. She is present physically in that place that she knew Christ to be. Even if she was not certain if he was alive or dead, she goes to him. What is it that we can learn from this that we, too, should go to Jesus, even, perhaps especially, in our grief or sorrow or bewilderment? Where is it that we can be present physically with the risen Christ in those places where we know him to be? There are, in fact, concrete answers to this question, even in 2019. The risen Christ is present today with us in his word, the Holy Scriptures. He is present in the teaching of the apostles, in the fellowship of the church, in the breaking of the bread that is the Holy Eucharist, and when we gather in prayer. These are the places that the risen Christ resides still today. And these are the places that we can flee to and reside in and make ourselves present if we want to be with Jesus. Secondly, we see that Mary is persistent. She has come to the tomb once, and having found it empty, she then goes to tell Peter and John to share the news of the empty tomb. And then she returns with them a second time. After Peter and John survey the scene, have a look around, look inside the tomb, they split. But not Mary. She remains, looking for Jesus, searching for him, seeking him. St. Gregory the Great observes that it is, he says, a great force of love which inflames Mary. When even the disciples depart from the sepulchre, she does not depart. She looks for him whom she had not found. He goes on, It is not enough for a lover to have looked once because the force of love intensifies the effort of the search. She looks for him a first time and finds nothing. She perseveres in seeking. And this, St. Gregory says, is why she finds him. It has been pointed out throughout the ages of the church that Mary's searching on this day in this scene is reminiscent of that bride In the Song of Songs, that bride who is desperately searching for her beloved. Listen to these words from Song of Songs. I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. She goes on searching, eventually finding her beloved and says, when I found him whom my soul loves, I held him. It's the same imagery we see in Mary Magdalene, who, when she sees the risen Christ, clings to him. This bride says, I held him, I held him and would not let him go. What can we learn from this? To be persistent in our faith, in our seeking, to persevere in our search for the risen Christ to allow our hearts to grow in love for Jesus such that that love would in turn drive us in a lifetime of persistence and passionate seeking. Writing in the 12th century, a Cistercian monk, Garrick of Igni, writes that while it was still dark, Mary had come to watch at the tomb and she found Jesus, whom she sought, standing there in the flesh, And then he goes on to encourage his hearers in the 12th century, as us today, saying, And you can be sure of finding his spiritual presence if you seek him with a desire like hers. And if he observes your persevering prayer, say then to the Lord Jesus, With Mary's love and longing, my soul yearns for you in the night my spirit within me earnestly seeks for you. And finally, thirdly, we see in Mary, we observe that even as she is in the very presence of the risen Christ, the one whom her soul loves and who she is so desperately seeking, even in his presence, for a moment, Mary is blinded. That is, she does not recognize that it is Jesus right there in front of her. She speaks with him and then she proceeds to turn her back away from him. If we read carefully this text from John chapter 20, we see that Mary actually turns away from Jesus. So in verse 14, we read that Mary turns around and she sees Jesus standing there, but she does not know that it is Jesus. Now, She has been talking to two angels who have appeared to her. So we can imagine how distracting this experience might be. Here she is interacting with these angels, and a man appears. So in verse 14, Mary turns around and sees Jesus standing, but doesn't know that's him. And then in verse 15, Jesus speaks to her and says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? It says that supposing him to be the gardener, she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. But now look at this in verse 16. Jesus says to her, Mary, and it says that she turns and this is a second time. So if we read between the lines, what's happening is that she's so distracted by the angels that are there. Jesus comes and says, Who are you seeking? And she says, if you've carried him away, please just tell me. And, and we can see her attention coming back to the angels, turning away from her beloved. And then Jesus says, Mary. And now the text says she turns a second time and says to him in Hebrew, "Raboni," which means teacher. Mary is clearly overwhelmed by this entire experience, overwhelmed especially by these angels they appear to be drawing her full attention, even in the presence of the risen Lord, the one whom her soul loves, whom she desperately seeks. What can we learn from this? That we too may be blinded to the real presence of the risen Christ in our very midst. We too may unwittingly turn our backs on him. We too may become so overwhelmed or distracted or anxious or frightened or bewildered by our own feelings and emotions that we could miss Jesus standing right in front of us. If it can happen to Mary, surely it can happen to us. Jesus calls Mary by her name, and she turns again, recognizing him. The eyes of her heart are now open as she hears the voice of his call. We see in this blessed woman, Mary, that our blindness can be overcome by persistently seeking to be present with the risen Christ. I realize that sermons are often three points, and the great thing about that is you can sort of keep track in your mind. You got one, you got two, and when you get to three, you're coming in for a landing, and hopefully this thing is going to wrap it up. But I have pulled a fast one on you, because the sermon is not over right now. (laughs) Even though we've concluded the three points, we move now to the climax. What I did was I conveniently skipped the most important question, and that is the question, why? I started by saying we can learn from Mary about what it means for us to be in relationship with the risen Christ, but why? Why would we even want to be in a relationship with the risen Christ in the first place? Today is the day that the answer to this question is revealed in all of its fullness and in all of its glory. Something happens today something that changes everything permanently. On this day, the day that our Lord rises from the dead and bursts forth from the grave, the old creation, fallen into the grip of sin and overcome by death, it is recreated through the risen Christ. A new creation in him has burst forth from the earth, burst forth from the grave and gate of death. I would like to turn to St. Hippolytus of Rome, who writes in the second century on this Easter day. He plunges deep into the heart of the mysteries of this new creation in Christ, what this looks like and how this works. Listen to these words of wisdom. He writes, Now, On this day of resurrection, the holy rays of the light of Christ shine forth. The heavenly treasures of glory and divinity lie open. In this splendor, the long dark night has been swallowed up and the dreary shadows of death have vanished. Life is offered to everyone. The whole world is filled with glory. A heavenly light more brilliant than all other light sheds its radiance everywhere. And he who was begotten before the morning star and before all the stars of heaven, that is, Christ, mighty and immortal, shines upon all creatures more brightly than the sun. For us who believe in him, a glorious day has dawned. A long, unending day, a miracle of divine virtue and divine power. This is the true festival and the everlasting memorial. This is the day upon which freedom from suffering comes from suffering. Immortality comes from death. Life comes from the tomb. Healing comes. From his wounds. Resurrection comes from the fall, and ascension into the heavenly realms comes from his descent into hell. And here he articulates with such profound wisdom and clarity the manner in which the risen Christ destroys the power of death through his life and death and resurrection. He writes that Christ. (laughs) Surrendered himself completely to death, so that in him, in Christ, that gluttonous beast. This is how he is describing death itself, as a gluttonous beast. And get a load of what it is that death feeds on. So that in Christ, that gluttonous beast, with his insatiable appetite, would die completely, since... Death's power, this gluttonous beast, death's power comes from sin. It searches everywhere in Christ's sinless body for its accustomed food, for sensuality, for pride, for disobedience, for that ancient sin which was its original sustenance. In Christ, however, it found nothing to feed on. And so... Being entirely closed in upon itself and destroyed for lack of nourishment, death becomes its own death. So it is that the incarnate Son of God, the sinless one, can destroy the power of death once and for all. Death cannot hold him in the grave. Those first men and women, Jesus' first followers, their hearts were filled with love for Jesus filled with expectation and hope that he was the Messiah come from God. Even as their minds did not fully understand or comprehend the depth and the breadth of who Jesus really was and how it was that he would fulfill God's promise of salvation, dying on the cross, rising from the grave. How much more, 2,000 years of hindsight, how much more are we able to understand and comprehend the depths of God's love for us through the salvation he has won for us through his Son, as we live on this side of the resurrection. How much more ought we to be inspired, to be present with Christ and in Christ, to be partakers of his everlasting life, to be where he is, To be persistent in seeking Him and loving Him with our whole heart, mind, and soul. St. John Chrysostom writes in his Easter homily O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen, you are thrown down. Christ is risen and the demons have fallen. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life reigns in freedom. Christ is risen, and no one is left dead in the grave. For Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. To him be glory and dominion, now and forever. Amen.